Today's episode is brought to you by Whoop. Whoop is a fitness tracker that provides daily insight into your recovery, your strain, and your sleep. You might have seen it on the wrist of Rory as he won the Tour Championship or other tour players. I had to find out more, so I reached out, got my own band, talked to some of the folks at Whoop, and I was blown away. And then, lucky enough, they wanted to support and sponsor the podcast and let more folks know about it as well. Here are the three things you need to know. There's three metrics, strain, recovery, and sleep. Strain is for those that are looking to track more than just steps. Track how strenuous your day is from start to finish. And this is key, get insight into how much you exert yourself during training. The second one is recovery. That is so you can get daily insight into how ready your body is to perform by looking at some biometrics such as heart rate variability, resting heart rate, and sleep performance. The last one is sleep. It's all about optimizing the way that you sleep by getting target sleep times based on how strenuous your day was and your performance goals. You can monitor your sleep stages, cycles, time in bed, actual sleep, sleep efficiency, and so much more. And, you know, the best players in the world are paying attention to this, as we found out from the Whoop CEO, Will Ahmed. You know, Justin Thomas was telling me how obsessed he is with sleep. This is a guy who will just get up in the middle of dinner to go to bed if he feels like he's not going to bed at the appropriate time because he knows that he has to get a certain number of hours of sleep in order to feel that recovered, in order to feel, you know, peak on the day of the tournament or, you know, even on the weekends, right? Uh, He was saying that he actually had a green recovery on the Sunday of leading the BMW tournament. I think that's pretty cool, right? You know, normally when you're leading the tournament, you're going to feel an additional level of stress. In his case, it was the opposite because he's figured out ways to to train his body and and to use Whoop. Definitely check this out and learn more about Whoop. It's W-H-O-O-P dot com. Use the code G-S-L for 15% off your membership. That is G-S-L. Definitely go check out Whoop dot com. You are listening to the Golf Science Lab podcast. My name is Cordy Walker, and I'm on a mission to figure out how to improve the way that we learn and get better at golf. I've been able to travel all over the world talking to leaders in the industry, from instructors to researchers to golfers themselves, learning how they're getting better at golf and what that means for you. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Golf Science Lab podcast. My name is Cordy Walker. I am your host, and at the beginning of this year, I spent some time down in St. Simons Island, Georgia. It was based out of Frederica Golf Club. We did a ton of awesome videos, worked on some great new projects, and was mainly down there with Tony Ruggiero, Jackson Court, and Tom Lovelady. All guests on the podcast in the past that you've heard before, Tony hosts the Tour Coach podcast, which is just really, really cool. And this is an episode of that. This is actually a recording uh, around the dinner table at Halyards. It's a steakhouse in St. Simons Island, Georgia. We uh, thought we'd hit record and get a podcast going. And this was a, such a cool conversation. Tom was been on the PGA Tour and actually lost his card last year. So he was down there working on his game, getting ready for this season. And we talked about some of the challenges that have gone into that. And it's a really honest conversation. It was a lot of fun to do this. I think it's kind of a unique look that you're going to enjoy. We're going to dive right in. If you want more conversations like this, this casual chats with tour players and whatnot, make sure to go check out the tour coach, Spotify, Apple podcasts, and listen into that there. But you join us at Halyards at St. Simons Island, Georgia, after a long day of working out at Frederica for a great conversation, some steaks, a bottle of wine. Let's dive in. 
This episode is also sponsored by Superspeed Golf. Superspeed Golf makes a, a training system that you've probably seen. It's overspeed training to help you swing faster. And they recently released a new product. It's called Superspeed C. And here's the deal. I was really curious on what this was all about. I tried it out quickly and I have one now that I'm testing, but I still want to learn the principles and the ideas behind it. So the guys are coming on to talk about it in a webinar just for us here at Golf Science Lab to explain how this counterbalance training to increase your hand speed, what that is all about. And we are doing that on March 4th. That is March 4th at 7 o'clock Eastern time in the evening, 7 p.m. Make sure to check that out over at golfsciencelab.com slash superspeedwebinar. Golfsciencelab.com slash superspeedwebinar to sign up for that. Uh, and if it is past March 4th, you can get the recording for that webinar there as well. Golfsciencelab.com slash superspeedwebinar. You can see that over there. I'm really curious what this is all about because Superspeed, their training system is just used by almost everybody, it seems like. So this new product, I'm sure, has some real potential. And yeah, I think we should all learn a bit more. They are a sponsor of this podcast. and We're so thankful for that. And we'll see you on March 4th for that webinar. So lots of people that it's easy to go on a podcast or easy to go on social media, talk about all the shit, you know, when guys are playing good, but like golf's hard. Sometimes you work hard and guys don't play good. You didn't get to keep your card last year. Doesn't mean we didn't work hard, right. but let's talk about how golf's hard. And now the work we're doing, the work you've done, you're kicking ass, getting back and the plans to get you back to the tour. I think that's an interesting insight. It's, like, I mean, Jackson, I mean, Gordy, like, but like everybody, it's easy to like, oh yeah, guys playing great, but like, shit, sometimes guys playing good and you do a lot of hard work and it doesn't work out. Yeah, I, to your average viewer, they're or watching. Listener. Yeah, or listener, but just any any lover of golf, when they're watching golf on TV, all you see is the guys in the top 10, top 15. And guys up there are somewhat consistent. I mean, you know, just the best guys in the world, you know, playing well that week, whatever. And and what a lot of people don't see are the guys finishing T21, T22. You know, the occasional, occasional is the wrong word, but just guys finishing the top 10 and having a good week and, you know, people seeing their name and thinking it's like, oh, okay, you know, he played well that week and not thinking anything of it. And you can put a lot of work into it and you, you it's your way to make a living. So, um, yeah, it's sometimes it's hard when you're struggling and you feel like you're putting in a lot of hard work and it's not paying off. And sometimes you can't see a light at the end of the tunnel, especially when you're down, and that gets really frustrating. What do you do to keep going and to remain focused when things start to You just have to keep doing your thing. I mean, it's you couldn't have said it better. Golf is hard. The golf ball doesn't know how much work you're putting in. All the golf ball knows is what you're doing to it. And you can give it you can give it your all and get nothing out of it. And then there's other people in the world that are just fortunate enough to maybe not put as much into it as you are. Not saying that they're not putting a lot into it, but they get a lot more out of it than you do. So the golf ball doesn't know how much you're working, how little you're working, whatever, which can be frustrating. But you know, when you've when you've been at the top for a little bit and then you lose it all, it just makes you want to get back there so much more. So one thing, and, and I want y'all to chime in too, but one thing that I find remarkable about Tom is that it would be very easy for a guy to come out of college, get his PGA Tour card, play for a couple years, lose his Tour card, 
and decide that he needs to change everything around him, that it's got to be somebody else's fault. It's got to be, I need more information. We've all seen it. Tom, in my opinion, has done the exact opposite. He's been like, okay, I need to even do a better job or more of what I do. Right? Don't you think? I mean, I right. think that, yeah. and that's different than a lot of people, though. You've seen a bunch of them out there. And that's that's what we've talked about this week is how many players, like you said, you don't see the light at the end of the tunnel, so you just switch tunnels almost and start over by right. finding, you know, switching everything. And how many friends have you had that went down that path and struggled? Yeah, and, and you can even go as far to say not only switching swing coaches or switching quote-unquote teams – but a total switch of equipment. I right. Mean, I've, yeah. and, and sometimes that's almost worse because I've seen guys go from having, you know, one one club, you know, one specific company sponsoring them, and then they go somewhere else. Well, money from one side to another is, is not worth the transition unless the results come. If you're switching from one company to another solely for the money, that's a terrible decision. I agree, um, and 100%. That's something and, we hear from Mac all the time talk some, about, some performance has, first. Some of that has to do with agents, and that's, and that's you know, somewhat a shame on them for putting their player in, in that situation. Because when you switch equipment and you never, you know, but I'm not going to say any names, but say you've been using, you know, equipment A for 10 years. It's all you know. You know it's reliable. You know what you're going to get. Well, equipment B is offering a little bit more, you know, enough to have your interest, but nothing life-changing. And you, you know, you get a little pressure to switch to B. Well, you've never used it. You have no confidence with it. You have no experience with it. You know, how are you gonna? How are you expected to perform? So, in my opinion, you should stick with what got you there, because you got there once. You know, you can get there again. And if you find something along the way that maybe you know can help you a, a shot around or two shots a tournament fine but going overboard switching teams switching equipment is very very excessive we hadn't talked a bunch on the podcast on tour coach about equipment but i think it's kind of interesting like i think the average golfer doesn't realize oh it's not that big a deal to change clubs or whatever but for you guys like, you guys are creatures of habit when it comes to equipment especially, I think. I mean, some people are probably better at changing equipment than others. But, like, the other thing I don't think they realize is the temptation to change equipment every week. If you're a guy out there that's young and you're struggling, to me it seems like the equipment people know who the hell you are and they tend to flock around you like, oh, try this driver, try this shaft, try this wedge, try this putter. Yeah, it's it's such a blessing in that you have the ability to try anything you want with any combination of grip shaft head, any brands, any any literally anything. Anything, anything in the golf world you have access to every yeah. week. And the ones that the ones that stick with what got them there, stick with your roots, stick with what you know, are the ones that you know at, at the end of the week, end of the year will will remain and obviously that's assuming that they you know play well and have a good year you know there's plenty of guys that stick with with what they know and just didn't play well that's totally different but you know the guys that are playing well and trying to switch around it just gets very inconsistent 
just to add a little color commentary, we just received a really nice wedge salad over there. We've got some crab bisque for Jackson. This is great. We got fresh bread, butter, color commentary. So, so my question is though, like, how do you know that you won't putt better if you do that next best thing? Or how do you know that you won't drive it farther if you do go get that new, like? That's a good question. Right? That's very fair. That's where we're all getting pitched. Right. But like, so. So there's a study on the, a new company's driver, right? The ball speed improvement from last model to this current model was from 0.6 miles an hour to 1.5 miles an hour. Like, which is what? couple yards to like five six yards max like a lot of that stuff is marketing right like yes i understand technology improves and i understand things change (laughs) (laughs) but like i don't think i'm one of those guys where like if it ain't broke why fix it and i understand like playing to strengths and all that stuff i don't know what you think about that tom so we're talking about sticking with the plan and what what that i'm just going to be devil's advocate over here for a little while sure what about like adding a new putting coach to the team or getting a short game guy to come in? Yeah, that's different from equipment though, right? Sure. And I think like that's why golf is hard is because there's so many moving pieces. I think you eliminate and make golf off the course easy, right? Like you have a good home life, your travel life is good and all that stuff. Then you have to balance the play from long game to short game and all that other stuff and equipment and coaches, yep. right? So, well, Sorry. just maybe I'll challenge again. So Tom has a new putter in the bag. He's putting it great. It's a great well, how good is he rolling that thing? It's a new putter, right? He switched recently. Right. I mean, does that go against what we were just talking about, or how does that how does it, that fit in? It does and it doesn't. It does because stick with what got you there, which I totally am for, with the exception that my putting has been a little bit stale. There's confidence, but I hate to say fake confidence. It's just like, oh, you know, it's going to turn around. But just statistically, it's been fairly stale. And, and putting this new putter in my bag... I can line it up super easy. The putter swings itself. It rolls end over end every time. So all I have to do is just match speed and line. I know that what I'm doing with it is great. Putter is... is Typically, you don't change often. I don't. No. No. no I've... Okay. I don't. As a matter of fact, I've, I ended my pin contract early in the season this past... Or in the 2019 season to go back to a specific Scotty Cameron that I'd been using for 10 to 12 years. Right. That's how much so, a creature I have it is. So I, I, I used that putter all through junior golf, all through college golf, amateur golf, and, and I'll leave that there. But even if you were to, to switch drivers, so you go from one company to another, well, one company's head model spins this way. as where another company's model spins more or less and then when you start mixing spin, that can create more side spin. You know, if it, if it works better for you, it creates less side spin and goes straighter. But that gets really tricky because then you start switching shafts, you start switching different heads. There's so many more variables as to a, a putter. It's length, lie, loft, and do you want a mallet or a blade? That's pretty simple. And I fortunately had enough time to mess around before competitive golf to see if it if i wanted to test it if i wanted to put it in play so i think the putter 
I think everything but woods is very easy to test because you already know what iron shafts you use. So you already know all of your specs in that regard as to where if you were to go with the woods, you start changing spin and all of that. So yes, it goes against what I said, but for a good reason, in my opinion. You've mentioned irons, and there's probably people out there going to jump on me, but like, to me, irons haven't changed a great deal, right? I mean, I, like, I tell people this all the time. You get the best set of irons from each company. Generally speaking, they're all the same. You just have to pick a set which fits your eye yep. and what feels good to you. You can get a set from Ping, TaylorMade, Callaway, Titleist, Shrixon, Mizuno, and so, on and, good so on and so forth. You get, say you're looking for blade irons. They all make blade irons. You get a blade iron from each of them. You know that you use this specific shaft. You're testing the same specs that you play and all you want to do is find what looks good to you and feels good to you and what works for you they're all the exact same i agree with they that are. that's why i don't think guys get off when they when guys change equipment other than you remember when Corey pavin went to those vas cleveland irons that looked like this glass on the end of a shaft but that's different but like but most part guys don't change irons and and get real messed up it comes when they do the drivers and the and and, and wedges are a big deal wedges are a big deal wedges can be a big deal but i think nothing's more important than the golf ball oh let's talk about the golf ball and and i'm not gonna say any company but i know guys that have switched from company a to company b and have completely fallen off of what they are capable of doing and i know that switching a ball is in my opinion a much more difficult transition than any club because without saying any any names i have firsthand seen players switch from company a to company b and they're not even I know when they tee it up that week that they're out. I, I know that it's not even close. And even firsthand, I, I played in the Canadian Open two years ago with a guy that's fresh out of college, a quote-unquote world beater in college, and, and you know, going to have a quote-unquote no problem playing professional golf. Well, all through college, he plays brand A. Well, in round one of the tournament, he plays brand B because that's who's paying him that's who's paying him and that's what his agent wants him to play because the agent gets more money so he plays ball b and shoots himself out of making the cut he plays ball a which is probably not great for his contract but he he, he plays ball a in the second round and wow this is big yeah and, and i mean it is so noticeably different breaks par plays great has a great round just really just gets it around the course and and i understood what the hype around this kid was he has continued to have to play ball b has played he he made it through q school for the corn Ferry tour last year i believe and i want to say he finished outside the 100 and it's just kind of a shame that agents put pressure on these young kids to switch for the money. Well, and I think we've had Mac on the 
podcast before, and we're all good friends with Mac. And he has a valid point, I think, that like one of the problems with the industry is that agents shouldn't be paid on the contracts because it's in their best interest, the agent, to push you into changing something that may not be best for you to change, right? Because they only get paid, right? Whereas, like, I know, and it's interesting, like, he talks about, like, hey, agents should get paid somehow based on how the player performs, not on what's what contracts they negotiate. Because, really, and it's the same way to me with teaching and coaching, like, you know, there's guys that charge a percentage of this, percentage of that. Like, I've always said, like, if you don't keep your card, I shouldn't get a dollar because, like, I didn't do my job, right? Like, you know, I mean, we're all in this together. We're a team. And I, I just think that, like, if you get what he said about agents, they that some of them in particular, a couple, one, maybe more than others, like, drive me crazy because, like, I think it's all about being transactional. And it's just about like, okay, if I can get them a deal or a contract, I make 20% of that deal. Whereas like, you know what? Sometimes adding, and it's and it's not even just equipment though. Sometimes giving you a deal where you got to go do 20 more days isn't best for you. Oh, horrible. Right? Like the 20 days might horrible. be better to rest or to come work on your game at Frederica and we hang out. Like it might be better for you long term than True. going and doing an outing. So it's not just equipment. I mean, sometimes, I mean, business, the whole business side of golf, people don't understand, like, you know, and the agent side of it, it's screwed up. I've pissed a bunch of agents off tonight anyway, so that's good. Interesting anecdote. Back to the golf ball, some lighthearted chat. It was pretty funny today. We were out shooting some stuff. and <laughs> Oh, this ball. We're not going to talk about this one. I don't mind saying that. So this company sent me some of their balls, cut golf. I had them in my golf bag. We grabbed them. You're going to lose your sponsorship for this. They, they hit them to me. They sent them to review. They sent them. This is the review. And we honestly saw the wind hit the ball way more than you're hitting a Pro V1 before. Uh, yeah, I play a Titleist Pro V1. Okay, so you hit the Pro V1. You hit two of those. The wind didn't hit it that bad, and you hit two of these balls, and the same thing happened. The wind took it, and it went right over there. It was like it was night and day, and it was crazy. I had never seen it that, yeah, that straightforward as we did. The wind, the wind moved it significantly. The sound of it. How different the, was the sound? The sound, and which indirectly made the feel not what I'm used to, and and then the distance. Both of those balls probably went roughly eight yards shorter than the balls that I play now. And even on putts, I mean, it, it, it's just it's just really funny how, going back to what I was saying about the golf ball and about the guy that switched from A to B, how golf ball in, in the littlest of shots can make the biggest of difference. When I think of golf is hard, like I hear that, I think more about balancing your game. Sure. Right, like, and I haven't spent a ton of time, right, balancing your game. So, like, I've sp- I haven't spent a ton of time watching you play on course. I've seen you hit enough. Your game is complete from head to toe. Sure. But that doesn't mean when you tee it up for four days that you've got all of those things firing on all cylinders. So how do you manage 
Are you saying like how do you get tournament ready? How do you get tournament ready? But how do you also like balance? Okay, I've got to I've got to prepare my driver. I've got to prepare my irons. I've got to prepare my short game. My putting. Right. Week in, week out when you travel. That's sure. to me. That's golf is hard. Sure. So. How do you do it? In one- certain certain weeks, certain things are clicking better than others. Okay. Certain weeks, I'm driving it great and hammering and chipping it great. You know, irons are a little suspect, but I'm chipping it good. So, you know, I'm kind of getting around. Well, then you'll spend that time working on putting, whether you're missing three footers, eight footers, lag putts are, aren't great. That's where you use that time Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. What you struggled with the week before just to make it you can't it's hard to get two steps better in a week you just have to slowly progress and sometimes you have to go two steps backward to take one step backward to take two steps forward so so just say say i played pebble beach this past week i hit 61 percent of my fairways i hit 66 percent of my greens up and downs were at 38 percent and that would kind of skew my putting stats a little bit. Well, that shows me that I'm hitting it great. Putting could be good just based off statistics, but chipping has either not been great. Well, I either could be short side myself and not getting up and down, or I'm just not hitting basic chip shots well. So that kind of goes into some strategy into, all right, pins on the right, I have seven iron. I am in no world ever going to take this pin on. I'm going to hit it 15 feet left, give myself a chance every time. That eliminates bogey. Or I'm around the green, you know, I'm, I'm in the bunker on a par five, got a simple bunker shot to get up and down for birdie, hit a bad shot. Okay, well, I'm going to practice bunker shots next week. I'm going to practice the basic shots that you just typically practice. And whatever you failed the past week, you're just going to try to practice a little bit to get a little bit better for that following week. And three weeks later, you got everything clicking. You win or you finish top five. You know, you have a solid week. I think it's always variable, right? Like, it's always changing. You can never say, like, this is how I get tournament ready is one, two, three, four, five. It's like, it's always different, right? And it's cool to see, like, it was awesome to see his putting routine. Right, so like that's kind of your baseline putting routine. Do you have that stuff for a short game, for full swing, for driver, all that stuff? In practice or routine? Both. Routine, I, I try to have the same routine. Every iron, I have the same routine, every wedge, so on and so forth. I, I try to keep everything consistent in that category. So okay. if I get nervous, I can back off and I've done this routine a thousand times. I know what I'm going to do. Practice-wise, practice can also vary, like I just said, depending on what you're struggling on. Yeah. Sometimes you can 155 9-iron, solid 9-iron, driving range 9-iron every time. Well, now you have 149. So sometimes you have to to get a track man or flight scope or whatever so you can learn how to do, yeah, you know, an, an off-speed shot. Yeah, getting tournament ready is is <laughs> is somewhat of a loaded question. You can't. Yeah, well, yeah, not necessarily tournament ready, but like seeing his putting routine that you'll see on Golf Science Lab. Routine is huge. Right. And so like, okay, do you have 
like so say you okay you're talking about stats whatever so say you struggle with your irons sure. what do you go how do you work on it how do you maintain depends. golf is hard how do you improve totally agree. that iron part how do you improve depends, your driving depends if you're how do you missing, work on it depends if your irons are missing long or short or left or right if it's missing long or short then you just need to do some some distance work figure out how far the ball goes figure out what your max is and if the yardage is outside of the max of the shorter club take the longer club and if you're missing left to right then maybe you're just not swinging specifically great with your irons and you need to work on you need to work on some drills that's good dinner's here my last kind of comment question is on that tournament ready concept is we were out playing we don't have to be done just because food's here but go ahead sure and tom played just like a money match with another tour player that was out at frederica and he won the match played great like he was striping how much does that help you or how much more benefit was that match to you than like two hours or three hours on the range right because you you go out on the range and you just flush it right like it's we our joke is that we're going to make an app of the sounds of your six iron because they're so good (laughs) right right. love lady sounds at night (laughs) well i sleep to it it's a little bit of confirmation that what i'm doing is right and bits and pieces that okay maybe it maybe this is paying off you know whatever blah 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 but if anything it just gives you confidence it doesn't matter who you're playing against winning is winning and good golf is good golf but to play good golf against somebody else who's playing good golf is very satisfying and well it's just like it's that that idea of that so one of the concepts is it's tough to transfer what you work on in the hitting bay out to when when you have you know some money on the line right it's tough it's hard yeah and and you don't even have to have money on the line but just knowing that you can't rake another ball to hit another shot and you get one shot in that particular shot and to be able to execute shot after shot and get the ball in the hole and to win the match money aside um, to win the match is is great and and going back to what i said earlier about light at the end of the tunnel it it almost gives you light at the end of the tunnel knowing that you're on the right track and, and what you're doing is good and what you're doing is right and and to trust in what you're doing and just keep doing it like one of the cool things for me is so just because of tour schedules and stuff, this is most time Tom and I have just spent together in a long time, oh, wow. right? But yeah. it's but it's been like to me it's was a teacher not only just from the instruction, like we haven't like just sat there and grinded for two, three hours. We've done forty five minutes here, forty five whatever, but we've spent a bunch of time on the golf course today. I've had a hell of a time the last four days, five days. But today I was so glad and excited watching him go through his routine. And I felt so good about what we're doing because, like, everything started on your line today. Right. And everything missed on the appropriate side. Like, I thought that was a good day on the golf course today. And your distance control was phenomenal today. Right. I I feel like you and I specifically, when we work on anything, what we work on is try to tighten up start line. If If you can get the start line started where you want, you can figure out why it's curving too much one way or another. And in our match yesterday and... And just playing some holes today. Start line, you know, couldn't have been better. It was very consistent. It was right where I wanted. And if it started curving one way or another, I knew what I was doing wrong and, and, you know, could make the fix accordingly. The other thing, tying golf is hard, 
GSL and Tom Lovelady, Lovelady all into one. I love the way Tom practices too. All right, so like I know you like you're all about how to practice, right? I think Tom's the way he practices and right like quality over quantity. What he focuses on, what he works on, is impeccable. Mm-hmm. I think that 100%. falls into falls into suit with not overdoing it, not overthinking it, not like right. compliment to you, right? Not totally. Like, you, you work know. hard and you do it in a manner of time. You know one of the best things, Jackson? Was almost how few balls Tom hit. Yes. Right? Right. He stopped and he sat there. Which most people would say, like, what are you doing? Why aren't you practicing? No. Hit less shots, do them better, and then take a break. And then go back and do it again. But one thing about him, watched him hit balls a long time. Every time he hits a ball, he's got a purpose with what he's doing. Remember, like, yesterday, out of the blue, hold this noodle by my shoulder, right? Every time he's hitting balls, he's trying to work on something. The average golfer could benefit from that. Go, don't go hit one of those big bags of balls. Right. Go hit 15 balls and be really trying to do something with it. Totally. And then, like, once you – what I like about T is, like, he goes and when he gets the feel for something, he's like, okay, I got it. Got like, it. I'm like, okay, I got it. Like, I don't need to sit here and, like, just hammer it. Like, I'm just – I got it. Like, and then he goes on the golf course and tries to do it. There's definitely a fine line of, of how many balls are too many balls, in my opinion. In the grand scheme of things, who really wants to go to the range and just whack balls for three hours? People when, who don't like their wives. Well. People are <laughs> bad at golf like me. Fair. That's true, though. I'm not mentioning names, but guys that don't. True. I'm not going to touch that. But, yeah, I, I mean. That was me back in the day. Fair. But why would you go to the range twice as long as you technically need to? Be efficient with your time. You can save time. And, and your body. 100%. 100%. And, and, and like they were saying, I would hit balls once I got the feel for it and was, was confident in what I'm doing, then I just went and sat in the chair. I mean, I mean practicing is... <laughs> I did. Shit. And on the foam roller. Uh, hell yeah. And I, on the foam well, I laid, he showed me his, the I best foam roller stretch. Have you seen it? The best foam rolling stretch is to lay down and use the foam roller as a pillow. It's amazing. Yeah, if you do it, it's pretty tough to get up. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, shit. Practicing, in my opinion, unless it, if you're not working on something technical, if you're just trying to fine-tune and, and just do your daily stuff, you know, whatever, once you practice for I practice for confidence. I practice to gain momentum. Once I get confidence in what I'm doing and, what, and, and I know what I'm doing is right and I'm pleased and, and I see that... You know, I'm getting better at little things. Why keep going? Because if you're going to keep going, sometimes you just you work yourself out of the confidence that you just had. Like I always so, say, you can hit balls till you hit it shitty. Uh huh. Sure. Everybody yeah. can. Yeah. How many when times you, have you gone you to the stop. range hitting it good, and then like, or, or seen? But like you've seen people hit it really good on the range, and they keep hitting, and by the time they leave, they're hitting it shitty. And then they feel like something's wrong with their swing. They, they may have just hit too many damn balls. And then they're pissed. Right. Mm-hmm. 100%. Is, do you think there's... We're going down the, my rabbit hole right now. I couldn't be more pleased. 
Do you think there's a difference in practicing for like skill acquisition and like learning versus practicing for confidence like that? Mm. Are they different? Yes. We got a strong yes over there. Yeah. 100%. I, I I agree in that some people need more time. It, sometimes it takes people longer to gain momentum or confidence than others. So player A and player B. Player A is is getting it around pretty good, could use a little extra time when it's putting, spends a little extra time when it's putting, gets it dialed in. Player B is struggling to stay all around. Well, time spent's going to be different because sometimes you have to put more time in when things aren't going the way you want. Once you have all facets of your game where you're confident and pleased and happy where they're trending, leave. Some people can practice for an hour and they're good to go. Some people can practice for three and they're good to go. So yeah, I think it's not the so same. For, it's not the same for everyone. Well, I think it. So, like, if you're in the process of learning something, right? And I'm gonna use Tom as an example. Like, so we're in the hitting bay and we're filming and we're working on something, and you don't necessarily care where the ball goes, right? It's totally different. He's hitting a shot. Tom and I are looking at video or we're looking at the swing catalyst. We're looking at whatever. And we really don't care. We don't really give a shit where the ball goes. And we talk in between shots. Right. Right. But then once we're like, okay, he knows what he's doing. Then, then I think he switches into the mode where he's trying to gain confidence. And then it's not about how many balls you hit. Like, I think people hit far too many balls in both. Like, I think they're trying to get confidence out of skill acquisition when skill acquisition ought to be hitting balls, looking at it, analyzing, are you getting better, and not worrying about where the ball goes. If you're worried about where the ball goes, you should be worried about getting confidence. You're one or the other. Like, him and I, so it was in Mobile before we came over here. We did a bunch of filming. He had worked with Easy e before. They'd filmed some things. Laughing, him working with Easy e <laughs> No, I just thought about Easy and but, but like, hand. But, like... You know, we had a real good conversation about what we were going to work on. And so we spent probably an hour, hour and a half working on this one thing. But then once he kind of got it, then it was all about you building confidence, I think. 100%. But the ones where we were worried about, like, whether he was doing it right or not, or better or not, we really didn't care where the ball went. And I think people confuse that. I think people are trying to change what they're doing, analyzing it, and they're worried about where the ball goes, and you can't do both. If you're working on something, you should never care where the ball goes because if you're working on something, then it's going to feel awkward and it's not going to feel what you're used to because obviously what you're used to doing is not down the road that you need to go. So you just got to work on getting the club, your body, whatever it may be, where it needs to be, and then... The individual should be athletic enough to be able to feel the club face at the right. bottom and, and throughout the swing. In particular, I'm going to bring up one specific example. So in Mobile at the Dome, I'm filming, or, you know, I'm sitting there at the computer, easy, sleeping on his phone in the back. And, uh, and <laughs> let's be fair, right? Swiping I'm not saying t- anything. Swiping on Tinder. It's swiping on Tinder. <laughs> I think he's actually on Hinge now. I think that's the new one. At least he's swiping right. And the ladies are looking. Yeah, but anyways, Tom hits a shot, ball goes like way right. I instantly think, okay, that's a bad one. That's my reaction because I'm watching the ball. And he goes, let's look at that. It was a good one. My left arm was great at the top. He went, he didn't give a shit where the ball went, right? Right. He wanted to see that the arm so was good. where he went, right? 
And that's where I think people get confused, and I think people get off. They're trying to, at first, they're trying to make the mechanics better and make the ball better. You got to do one first and then the other. And then when you're really worried about the ball, you don't care about the other. And that's what I see with him. That's what I see with really good players, that like when they're really worried about the ball, like I've been with him at million tour events, he doesn't care what the mechanics are. All he cares is where the ball goes. When he's with us in a building, he cares about what the mechanics are. In my opinion, if you're working on something technical, getting your arm, getting your, you know, on your backswing, trying to get a little deeper, trying to get your knees to do this, that, you know, whatever you're working on, you're better off hitting balls into a net. Hitting balls into a net and having your swing recorded than you are hitting on a range because when you start doing technical stuff and hitting balls on a range and caring about where the ball goes, you're toast. So you're better off just hitting, trying to get the stuff in your swing down, trying to get your mechanics down, trying to get what you're working on down. Then when you get it down, then go to the range. And, you know, if the ball's overcutting, then that just means you're leaving the face wide open, but you're doing the mechanics and what you're working on. You're doing everything right. So then just be athletic enough to be able to fix the, you know, the little things at the bottom of the swing. Agree a thousand percent. Cordy, anything else? We've got some amazing steaks sitting in front of us right now. This is phenomenal. It's been a great week, guys. Tom. Cheers, guys. Thank, first of all, thanks all of y'all for hanging out. T, yeah. TL, thanks for hanging out with me. Jackson, for putting up with us. Cordy, you're the best ever. Even, you know, you got some goofy ideas out there. But still, we're glad. Even though you wanted Billy, us to turn Billy Joel down earlier, it's still fine. Yeah, which was a huge faux pas. You wanted us to turn the Billy Joel down. You know, that's why I played for Tips and Sips tonight. Billy Joel? Yes. Tips and Sips, Billy Joel. 100%. I will be seeing him... Coldplay. In 10 days. What's it mean if you listen to Coldplay? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Anyways, uh, so anyways, another exciting Tour Coach podcast. Good stuff from a good table at Halyards, one of our favorite places on the island. And uh, some great work down here at Fred Guys, peace out.